0: It's dark in here this morning, isn't it? Can we get any more light, John? Or is this it for us? We need the sun. Welcome. Welcome again. It's really... uh, Yeah, we'll just have to be, we'll just be the light. So we are uh, moving along with our new annual theme. We are doing our own theme this year. Awake and Alive We Thrive. We're going to be talking about all the ways this year of how we can really be aware of what's going on in our lives, that we can be truly awake. I think I mentioned last week we can be awake and asleep. You know, so we're going to talk about being awake. And we're starting out this month, the month of February, with a longing for belonging. Longing for belonging, and it's been very interesting to do that last week's talk and this week's talk, and there is so much in this longing for belonging. There's so many layers, there's so many ways we can look at it, there's so many ways that we can belong. But today we're talking about the path of transformation, the path of transformation. And uh, we are having a book each month this year, and I mentioned last week that this month's book is Brene Brown's Braving the Wilderness. The quest for true belonging and the courage to stand alone. So we're going to talk a little bit about Brene Brown today and her book. If you don't know Brene Brown, she's a research professor at the University of Houston. She studies courage, vulnerability, shame, empathy, just a few things. And she's an amazing writer and she's an amazing speaker. She's written several books and they're all really quite wonderful, they really are. Although not her first book, the one that really we started to hear about her with was uh, The Gifts of Imperfection. The Gifts of Imperfection, the subtitle is Let Go of Who You Think You're Supposed to Be and Embrace Who You Are. We have a course that's been written that we do at some of our centers. I don't know if we've done it here. I haven't done it here, but it's a really great class and maybe we'll do it. Her next book was The Power of Vulnerability, Teaching on Authenticity, Connection, and Courage. And that's really when I got interested in who she was. That uh, her TED Talk on Vulnerability is the fourth most watched TED Talk of all time. It's an amazing TED Talk if you haven't listened to it. She talks about subjects that we're not really talking about normally. You know, and so she's bringing these things up front, which I just think are fascinating. If you haven't read one of her books or listened to one of her videos, I really encourage you to do so. Brene Brown. You know, I became very interested in authenticity when I was in ministerial school. It was a thing that really spoke to me. I knew that I wanted to be congruent. I wanted my insides to match my outsides. I wanted you to just to see who I was. I didn't want to hide any longer. I wanted to take off any mask that I had, and I just wanted to be fully present. I wanted to learn how to do that. So my prayer became, you know, uh, to call in my authenticity, to call in my um, creativity, to call in my passion, because I felt that I had lost some of that along the way. And... Uh, Then it began. Then it began. You know, not as I thought that it would. Not that, you know, isn't that the way? Isn't that the way of transformation? It doesn't always show up in the way that we think that it's going to show up. And what happened for me is I thought that, well, I would have some awarenesses of where I wasn't being authentic and I might have some uh, opportunity to change a little bit, to look at what I was doing and to change it. Well, no, my whole world blew up. Not what I had expected, but that's what happened for me. And, uh, you know, we were feeling very prosperous. My ex-husband at that time, he's still my husband, and I, and we were really practicing these principles, and we were religious scientists, and we were creating wealth, and we were doing all kinds of things. And we had decided to build our dream house, which we did. We built this magnificent dream house with everything we could have ever wanted in it. And shortly after moving into it, the foundation cracked. The foundation, not of the house, but of our marriage. You know, and things just started to fall apart. It was that 07, 08 time when the economy really kind of was doing crazy things. My ex-husband was a mortgage broker. We owned a mortgage business. That's what we did. We were invested heavily in real estate, and he became very depressed, and he became very sad, and he became very unfulfilled. And uh, this had been a pattern in our marriage, and I got to the place where I was like, if you are so unhappy, then really, you need to go do something about that. You know, you need to go do something about that. And and, and things just went from bad to worse. My spiritual teacher and my mentor, her name was Addie. I loved her to death. She was my mentor for over 17 years. She taught me so much about what I even know today. She died unexpectedly. I got a call one Monday night from her husband that said, if you want to say goodbye to Add, you need to do it now, you know, and let her know it's okay to go. Not what I had expected, not what I had expected, and she passed shortly thereafter. You know, I was in ministerial school, and one of the things they say about ministerial school is, everything that's left in you unhealed through prac training and ministerial school will come up to be healed. That's just the way it is. You know, so anything left in me was coming up for me to look at it. And last but not least, I thought I was losing my mind. Absolutely, I had never felt so crazy in my entire life. It was an experience that I can't really, even to this day, fully understand. You know, uh, it became a spiritual experience for me, and I continue to learn more and more about it. Lily Tomlin once said, she said, why is it called prayer when we talk to God and schizophrenia when he answers? (laughs) Right, right. And I just felt like I was going nuts. The path of transformation was not what I thought it would be. It wasn't at all. Melissa Filippi has a song, and I just emailed it to our, uh, our, 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 our resident singer, uh, Kicking and Screaming Our Way to Transformation. It's a great song, right? It's not always easy to be on this path to transformation. You know, we say often that birth is messy, and transformation is messy. It doesn't always happen just in a nice, clean little package. Last week, we talked about belonging to a tribe. We talked about belonging to each other. You know, and we long to belong to a tribe, to a group or a family, to have people who truly see us. I hope you have somebody that really sees you, that sees you. You know, and in the movie uh, What Women Want with Mel Gibson, do you remember that movie? And he, could, he had this accident so he could hear what women were thinking, right? And everywhere he went, he could hear the thoughts of women. And there was this one woman in the office who believed she was invisible, that nobody saw her, and that if she died, nobody would notice, right? And Mel Gibson got curious about her. He had never noticed her before until he heard her thoughts. right? And there's people among us that feel that way, that feel invisible, feel that nobody sees them, that nobody even knows that they exist. right? We do have that longing for belonging We long to belong. We long to be seen. You know, And my teacher that I spoke about, Addie, she was the first person who I believe in my life really saw me. I was 30 years old when I met her, and I had had a different sort of a childhood, and I've talked to you all about it before, but Add saw me. She saw me. We would sit and we would talk, and she acknowledged who I was, and she recognized my talents, and we could talk about just about anything. It ended up that I would meet with her almost every other Friday, and we would just sit and we would talk, and she turned me on to goldsmith. She turned me on to the science of mind. She turned me on to so many of the things that today are just part of my life. But she taught me so much that I didn't know. So much that I didn't know about life and love and relationships. And and, uh, she was a feminist therapist, so she talked a lot to me about uh, the socialization of women and just all kinds of things that I didn't know. But she saw me. She was the first one that really saw me. You know, have you ever been with a child, you know, and they're doing their tricks and they're doing their dances and they're doing their stuff, and a little kid, and they just want you to see them. They just want you to look at them, you know, and how happy they are when you finally stop whatever it is that you're doing. And I see you. I see you. I acknowledge you. Right? They just want to be acknowledged. They just want to be acknowledged. They want you to let them know that you know that they're there and that they're important. You know, a lot of our um, wounding comes from not being seen as children. You're not being seen in the world. You know, Brene Brown, she talks about being a big admirer of Maya Angelou, and she writes about that in her book, and and, uh, she says that she loves her writing and she loves her poetry, but there was one line that really bothered Brene Brown, and it was a line from a Bill Moyer uh, uh, interview that Maya Angelou had done in 1973. And this is what Maya said. She said, you only are free when you realize you belong no place. You belong every place and no place at all. Well, that line really bothered Brene Brown because Brene's whole thesis was that we have to belong together. So she didn't get like, how could you belong alone? That just didn't make sense to her. Remember last week we said a deep sense of love and belonging is the irreducible need of all people. That was Brene's theory. That's what she believed. So she couldn't understand how somebody she related so much with, Maya Angelou, could have such a different viewpoint on this belonging thing. Right? She, she didn't understand that. And Brene is a great storyteller. That's one of her strengths, you know. And and shortly after she did her TED talk, she was invited to do Super Soul Sunday with Oprah. And uh, she tells the story about being in Chicago the night before going on the Oprah show or doing the Super Soul Sunday with Oprah. And she was with her manager and a representative from Oprah's and they were having dinner. And after dinner, they were walking back to the hotel and her manager said to her, where are you, Brene? And she said she gave him a smart you know, answer. She was on the corner of such and such. You know, and he said, no, really, where are you? And she said, I know I'm doing that thing that I do when I get afraid. She says, I watch my body from like up above, right? And I'm not fully present. I'm not in it. And he said, don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss this thing you're doing tomorrow to talk to Oprah, right? And in the morning, she woke up in her hotel room and was getting ready to go do the the interview. And her daughter called. And her daughter said, had wanted to check with mom to make sure mom had filled out a permission slip. Her daughter was going on a field trip and she wanted to be sure that mom had signed the permission slip. And she had assured her that she did. And then as she sat there, Brene, she said she thought, and she looked around before she did this to make sure nobody was seeing what she was doing, that she needed to write herself a permission slip. So she went over to the desk, and she took out a Post-it note from her computer bag, and she wrote herself a permission slip. And the permission slip was, it's okay to have fun. It's okay to be goofy. It's okay to laugh and enjoy this experience that I'm going to have. And she says that she's gone on to write herself many, many, many permission slips after that. But she showed up at the studio and she said she met Oprah, and Oprah was just like she had imagined, warm and open and inviting and intelligent. And they sat and they interviewed and they talked about all of the things that Brene's about, and the hour passed like that. And Oprah got up and she said, we should do another hour. And Brene said, really? You know, and she said she looked around like, shouldn't we check with someone? And Oprah said, who do you think we need to check with? You know, right? <laughs> and uh, and she got up and then Brene said, oh, I don't have any other clothes. This is all I brought except my cowboy boots and my jeans. And Oprah said, cowboy boots and jeans are great. I'll loan you a top. And Oprah got up to get changed so they could film a second hour. And as she was walking away, she said, oh, Brene, Maya's here. Dr. Angelo, would you like to meet her? And Brene said she just froze. And Oprah asked her two more times, you know, yes, no. And she said, yes, yes, yes. And she went with Oprah to the green room where Maya Angelou was sitting and Maya had been watching them on the television screen. And Brene said she walked up to Maya and she told her, you know, what she had meant to her and how much she enjoyed her poetry and her writings and her teachings. And uh, she said that she uh, told Maya that in her class where she taught, she would turn off the lights and and she had an old cassette recording of Maya reading uh, one of her poems, The Grandmother. And she said uh, she would play that. And uh, Maya took her hand and didn't let go of it, and then put her other hand on top of Renee's hand and sang to her like a tree planted by the river, I shall not be moved. Renee said she looked right into her soul. It's like she gave her permission to not be moved. I shall not be moved. Maya said, don't be moved. Be who you are. Be who you are. Mm. We belong to each other, but we first must belong to ourselves. Commit to not move. To not be moved from who you are was the message. We belong nowhere and we belong everywhere. The path of transformation is unique to each of us. Joseph Campbell wrote, If you can see your path laid out in front of you, step by step, you know it's not your path. Your own path you make with every step you take. That's why it's your path. Brene Brown, she studies shame, courage, authenticity, connection, and there are no models for her to follow. She says it can be a very lonely path. You know, the spiritual path can be very lonely. You know, we set out on this adventure of finding ourselves, finding God, finding that place we belong, in, and sometimes we're alone in doing that. The path less traveled. You know, Brene uh, says she was asked to speak once, and this was as she was coming along, and, and they wanted her to wear business attire and she was sitting in the green room with somebody else and it, who was also speaking at this convention, and they were all dressed up in their like businessy clothes, and she said she felt so uncomfortable that right before she was called to go on, she grabbed her suitcase from where the other presenters, all their suitcases were lying up, she went in the bathroom, she changed to her jeans and her clogs and a top. And she came out, and the other woman that was waiting with her said, you're brave. And she said, you know, I just couldn't do it. I can't talk about authenticity and show up, not myself. And then later on, she had somebody, her two values that she talked about were faith and courage, and it was a business convention. And they called Brene, Brene and said, you know, we're business. So, like, we really want you to talk about courage, but, but don't talk about faith, okay? She said, I can't do that. I can't do that. Then another time, she had a company call that said, you know, we really love your down-home, easy-going attitude, but could you not swear? It will really turn off a lot of our people if you use swear words. And at this point, Brene was very frustrated, and she said she went out for a walk, and she thought, and she contemplated all this people asking her to be who she wasn't, you know? And she came up with what was important to her. And she said she knew she could not do any of that, She said if she knew anything, she knew this, that transformation required both faith and swearing, and sometimes at the same time, (laughs) right? Yeah. And she vowed to herself that she would only show up as herself. Do not be moved. Do not be moved. You know, she sat with her husband, and uh, she told him, you know, how she feels like she doesn't belong anywhere, how she's been doing all this work and yet she feels so lonely. She feels like there's no place she really belongs. And he assured her, you belong with us. You belong with me and they have two children, you know, and and, and this is where you belong and this is where you can be you. And this is where you can swear all you want as long as you have enough coins to put in the swear jar, right? (laughs) And then he said something to her. And then he said something to her that clicked. Then he said something to her that made Maya Angelou's statement make sense. He said, you will always belong anywhere you show up as yourself and share your work in a real way. You will always belong anywhere you show up as yourself. That was the moment that she really truly understood what Maya had meant what Maya had meant. We belong to everyone, and we belong to no one. At some point, you are only free when you realize you belong no place. You belong every place, and no place at all. The price is high, but the reward is great. God bless you. So glad that you're here today.